This is Lauren Alexander. And I'm Jeff Odom. And you're listening to the Groove Lab Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Groove Lab. Thank you so much for being here. This podcast is all about the people who make up the music industry. That's right. And today we spoke to Don Pedigo. Yes, Don Pedigo. Nashville, Tennessee, singer-songwriter. Actually, he's from Indiana and Kentucky, but... Yeah, but based out of Nashville, um, I said a roots rock slash country artist. Um, he said, what did he say? Cosmic? Cosmic rocker. Cosmic rocker. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a cool guy. We did like a, we did a Zoom call with him. Yeah, he he's, resembles Graham Parson. Um, and, uh, totally dig his style. Y'all are really going to enjoy this episode. It was a great interview. Yeah, and he has got some music coming out, uh, particularly a song called Bar and R, and you cannot help but just super enjoy name. it. Yeah, you cannot help but enjoy it. It's um, such a cool song, and he's a cool guy. Um, I really like talking to him about his songwriting process. Very insightful. Very insightful. Everybody has their own way of doing things. It's really interesting hearing his um, process. Before we jump into this episode, we want to give a thank you to our sponsors this season, Kaiser Musical Products. They're so awesome. They gave us some super cool Groove Lab branded capos. I have one in my hand right now, and they are so cool. You got to have one. <laughs> There's a, describe it, Jeff. It's purple <laughs> <laughs> there you go it, it is it's like a, a deep royal purple and it's just rock and roll all the way oh yeah i love it but we are doing giveaways for these capos every single month um you just head on over to our website to get the official instructions and in, the official details on oh, how details. to enter <laughs> instructions details. whatever but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this episode with don pedigo Hello, everyone. We are here with Don Pedigo, a roots rock country singer-songwriter. Thank you so much for being on the show, Don. Thank you for having me. That's oh. a long intro. At what, what, roots rock country. <laughs> I know, it's a lot <laughs> of words. <laughs> so give everyone like a quick introduction on who you are and what you're all about. Wow, Okay. Let's see. I've done this for for a while now. Um, I think our, my biographies always wanted to start out with my parents were evangelists. My mother played piano. I grew up in church and it ended up with a bass guitar, got my first rock band, ran into uh, Larry Crane, John Mellencamp's uh, guitar player, got started, got a record deal and a pub deal in Nashville. Uh, lots of ups and downs. Now, um, um, more my own thing as a matter of fact might even be starting my own label um here in the next few years so um yeah that's what i'm doing i've been around i've worked with a lot of great people um still like most artists uh, always waiting for that that next great thing to change it all well that's so exciting so you are in nashville how long have you been there i've been here twice uh this time i've been here um 11 years. I got a, I got my first publishing deal down here. It's like 17 years ago. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. And at the time I toured a lot. So 
I split an apartment with a couple of guys, uh, some of some of which I thought would actually be in my band, but they came down with me and they got gigs and I didn't see much of them. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and got tired of running and, and, uh, I went back to Indiana and till I could afford to bring my family back. And so we've been here for good now since 2010. Nice. So you're originally from Indiana? Yeah. Closer to Louisville, Kentucky, but yeah, technically Indiana. Do you stay pretty busy playing up and down the strip or what's your daily schedule like? Well, you know, uh, that's been off and on for me. Um, when I first moved down here, I, I played Broadway a lot. And then I got kind of burnt out on doing that. And so I did more road gigs, uh, especially back home. Um, and then I would join my friends, you know, that I would play with on Broadway at their, you know, on their tours and stuff. You know, we, we just kind of team up duos, trios, sometimes a makeshift band, you know, just just a lot of throw and go. But, you know, when you're in Nashville, the the caliber of player and, and, and how much folks rehearse, you can expect to get a pretty decent act. Um, you're, you know, you usually have pretty good luck putting together a decent little combo. And, and with all the experience of playing downtown, you know, it's very likely that you're going to be able to put on a good show for folks too. You know what I mean? It, when you get to these out of town gigs, it's a lot about, the anticipation also from the audience that you got an act coming in from Nashville and stuff. So we've got to bring that fun with us, you know, we're in the fun business. Yeah. And so I I was, I was going back downtown on Friday nights. I was joining my friend, Tanya Reynolds. Uh, We were basically the house band at Margaritaville on Friday nights. Um, It was going on for about a year and it just started out as a, Hey, can you fill in? And then, it was just working. I'm, I kind of lean more in the rock direction. So that venue in particular liked that collection of music that I, w- I would perform. So uh, we were doing that pretty heavy and then COVID hit and I'm back to um, bowing out from downtown for a bit and maybe ready to hit the road again. Um, so I, I read that you have um, written with some pretty well-known people. Is, is songwriting kind of your main love um i think it's all my main love yeah but more uh, yeah i mean as the years go by i become more and more addicted to making records <laughs> and uh, like everything i do wants to feed that fire but um you know i'm a little more choosy with gigs now and uh, you know a lot of that boils down to the economics of it like i can't expect my players to go out on the road for exposure right right <laughs> Uh, but the thing about the songwriting is it's always uh, ground zero for me because if by chance I'm remembered, I want it to be for the, having great songs. I want to make sure that I have the best songs. And uh, that's not to say that others don't have great songs too, but I have made it a very uh, certain point to seek out heroes and certain people that I felt fit what I wanted to be or where I was going, you know, um, and to make sure that when I showed up to play a song that people knew I was the deal, you know, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to, I don't want to sound egotistical. I I hope they're good. You know, what I mean to say by that is I've worked very hard to make sure that it wasn't just a crafted song. It was, uh, it came from the heart, but it also had all of the goods that it needed. Like there was no stone unturned, no lazy writerness to it because a lot of times 
you know, we all can kind of get to the same lines sometimes. It's all just sort of floating in the ether. And sometimes, which I've learned from great writers, specifically Earl Bud Lee, that to outright the lazy writer means sometimes you've got to, you know, take your archaeologist brush and just brush a little bit more because there's maybe something more there. And years of doing that and observing that and, and being turned on to the right literature, I think, to help shape what I do without being like an English major. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's some sort of happy medium in there between saying some cool stuff and also being literate. Yeah, no, I so. totally get what you're saying. I do want to know um, about your songwriting process because I always think this is so interesting because it's d- so different for everyone. Well, they come in different uh, ways. And I, I know that uh, you've probably read or heard this before. The, the best ones just seem to fall out of the sky. You know, the ones that, um, and my wife always loves the ones that I write in 15 minutes. And it, and it seems like those don't usually have a lot of editing or a lot of overthinking. It just, you know, that's one of those deals where the my antennas were up and I was there to channel the information, uh, plain and simple. And that in and of itself requires more than just uh, being literate and learning how to write songs and, and, and being able to express your heart feelings is there's, uh, there's a place where, you know, one has to be open to receive. And in order to do that, folks do different things. Some people exercise, some people meditate, whatever it takes to break you into that quote unquote zone. Not sometimes, but all the time, you know, I think gets one ready for when those moments happen. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if we're, if we're constantly caught up in our everyday little minuscule bullshit that we think is so special and really at the end of the day everybody's got their own problems right but if we spend all all of our time like trying to fix that and wrapped up into that analytical linear world uh it's hard to be open when that three-dimensional you know what do they call it zeitgeist i'm sorry what's the word that's the word yeah yeah when that enters and it's just like boom you know, and I think uh, in order to be ready, that takes, you know, some physical and mental and uh, and, you know, I guess literal um, um, wholeness. Then there's other times. I mean, I'm always writing. Right. The songwriter is always writing. And um, I I strongly write from taking a lyric and just singing it. And I know that that is a little atypical and maybe it's not everywhere. But in my experience, it seems to be less of the most popular way. Uh, most times when I've been writing in a Nashville type, you know, co-writer situation, it's not just Nashville, just, you know, your typical three writers and a blank piece of paper in a room um, at 10 a.m. And, um, you know, you write a verse chorus, verse chorus, you take lunch, you come back, you do the bridge chorus, you're done. Uh, in that way, you know, a guy comes in with an idea and you sort of just pick up on what that song makes you feel and words start falling out of the ether. And next thing you know, you know, we're bouncing off of each other. Right. And that's, that's a very popular way to write. As time goes by, I'm more of just write by myself unless my publishers put me with people. And uh, I mean, I spent a good 10, 15 years writing lots and lots and lots of songs. As a matter of fact, the first time I lived in Nashville. I was in the 
the rut of go to the clubs at night, meet everybody, network, 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 everybody try to write songs together every day. And, you know, when I had a hundred mediocre songs, I packed it up and went home for a while, read some books, played my guitar, got better, you know, saved some money and came back. And, you know, now I just kind of prefer to, to do it on my own. I do have friends that do live uh, globally and will write that way. You know, I might have a piece of something and can send it to them or I have a lyric that I just can't get, get around and and they can send me a piece of music or, or vice versa. So, you know, I guess I could say I use all techniques. My favorites are, of course, falling out of the sky. And then my second go-to is I seem to have a knack for picking up on uh how a lyric makes me feel and can interpret that nice well I always just think that's so interesting to hear from I mean I feel like it's mostly just like a collective thing like we all all do it kind of in the same way but we have our our own way to like dance around it I know wouldn't it be neat to just get in each other's minds for that one little thing that's different and unique about each and every one of us because I know you know what I mean? There's a part that I'm sure that we all get to when we're writing where it's like, we know that that's going to work right there. And we know that that's our thing, you know, that we can, st- it's like, you know, I can't do that thing that Jackson Brown does. You know what I'm saying? He's got that thing. And I'm a guy can write maybe that kind of song and have that, maybe even have that same level of impact, but he's just got that thing, you know, yeah. uh, it would be interesting as Natalie said, to be a fly on a wall though, just to get some of those things that others might have, you know, there's no, there's no books about that. Totally. Yeah. I wish we could. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went on YouTube last night and really dove into your music and I really dig it. What would you consider is your genre? Because, you know, Everybody has their own way of saying if you're Americana or your country or your rock. What do you consider yourself? Well, it's uh, definitely American music. And I mean that uh, in every way, because if I look at the roots of the music that I make, uh, you know, there's Delta Blues, there's straight up country, and then there's straight ahead rock and roll i've got a little punk attitude sometimes too and when i first started playing in the garage bands we were playing the ramones and the dead kennedys and the dead milkman and so i love i've always got that (laughs) i just always have that like uh that that rock and roll vibe about everything i i figure you know rock and roll is created it's not remade it's created and um we could take bits and pieces from our heroes and and create our own thing but a lot a lot of it is just the attitude of it, you know, the attitude you put behind it. You know, Spinal Tap isn't too far-fetched, man. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, about 10 or 12 years ago, I started getting invited to Graham Parsons' uh, um, tributes. The Brothers, man. I love Graham Parsons. He's awesome. When, there, when I first moved to town, the Burrito Deluxe asked my publisher if I would be interested in doing the grand part for their Buffalo Bill Wild West show over in Paris, France. And I was young and egotistical and had no idea who Grand Parsons was at the time. Well, you have his look, actually. The more I think about it, you do have a Grand Parsons vibe about you. And then later to find out, my daughter uh, is named Polly, and his daughter's named Polly. That's There's all weird. kinds of That is weird. It's, it's, yeah, I promise you he's not being been reborn in me. <laughs> so, he took six years off. So um, anyway, um, I guess that I, I, I led us to the Grand Parsons thing because I think after all this time, 
it's mostly that you could put me in whatever category he was in because, you know, there's just sort of a, I, I, I'm a hillbilly. I, I, I grew up in the country, uh, not country hillbilly. And, um, uh, my mother went to college when I was in middle school. So I, I got a huge dose of culture, you know, at 12 and 13. And that's where I discovered punk rock and local bands and music stores and, you know, sort of a city, but uh, just that more urban life. And, uh, you know, and there's also a huge gospel influence in my life. My parents and grandparents were evangelists and I did pick up the bass guitar and we were always singing. And, but, you know, that's a great way to learn two and four. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and, man. And get that embedded. And there's something that resonates with gospel music. Like they almost can break it out anywhere at any time and something about that vibe just i don't know seems to win the audience what appears to be, yeah yeah i'll say everybody maybe it's not everybody but it appears to me a majority of the people win some over What's the celebration? Uh, yeah amen to that and <laughs> yeah. so uh i would say that i am a cosmic rocker <laughs> i don't know i have, cosmic I have no rocker <laughs> i will tell you uh, i will tell you that um we've had the unfortunate uh, problem of having to change my YouTube uh, a couple of times for some email crap. Like I, it's just a long story, but you know, I'm a little bummed because I used to have some videos up there that were like uh, some Grand Parsons stuff that were doing really well, and we were doing really well. But then we had a couple of years where we had to change things up, and like YouTube just got swallowed up, and it's so hard to get noticed on there anymore. But uh, I do appreciate you checking it out. Hey, no problem, man. I really dug it. Um, I watched the one with you with uh, the fiddle player um, on stage with you. I uh, forget the name of the song, but that song I really liked a lot. Was that the new the new? Um... It could be the new one. Um, oh, Bar. Yeah. Thank you for checking it out. That's the young Miss Dana B joining joining the band there, and uh, and she was a wonderful addition for that. We're we're all we've all been stuck with COVID, and you know we've had enough R and R. I think the folks are ready to bust out and have some bar and R. One hundred percent. I love that. I love that. And now a word from our sponsor. We are so excited to be teaming up with Kaiser Musical Products for this season of the Groove Lab podcast. Kaiser is a family-owned and operated guitar accessories company proudly made in East Texas and globally recognized for their world-famous quick-change capos. Guaranteed with a lifetime warranty, Kaiser capos are ready for anything that the road throws at them. And they offer a variety of colors, patterns, and styles to suit every player and every personality. So no matter where you are in your musical journey, there's a Kaiser capo just for you. Go to kaisermusical.com and use our code GROOVE at checkout for 15% off your purchase. That's G-R-O-O-V-E at kaisermusical.com. Kaiser, fostering collaboration and creativity to share the power of music. Okay, I want to talk about um, your most recent release, um, 16 Ton. Can you tell me a little about it? Sure. Uh, I recorded that eight years ago. And for some reason, um, I'm the artist that makes records that has a hard time getting them put out, some of which are like a decade old. And it's very, <laughs> it's very discouraging. It's been my hang up. I always thought that it would be over soon and it wouldn't be like that anymore. But it just keeps being like that. Um, I made that one eight years ago. And that was 
so I essentially during that time had made two records and didn't know it. And it's a little bit of a long story. I won't get into that, but the one that made it was called the cross-eyed sessions and it came out in 2014, I think. And the rest of that album um, is what is 16 ton now, but the 16 ton album, aside from that one track bar and R was all done there in that studio with my band as to where the other album only had maybe four or five songs with my actual band. And then the rest were studio guys and bar and R actually is Reba McIntyre's band. And uh, they did a great job. And when we cut the track, I said, Hey guys, no stock licks. And they really liked that. Uh, they liked that Somebody was like, yeah, think of something else, you know, but you know, I, I thought that the song had potential to be more than a demo. So I thought, well, let me get my money's worth here and see if, I mean, if you got Reba McIntyre's band, hell, if they can't pull it off. <laughs> so I, right. they did a fabulous job. But, uh, we recorded 16 ton in an old, uh, like house looking studio on music row. And it was awesome. They had some gear that had come out of RCA studios and that's like Chet Atkins board and some old tape machines. And they were just constantly like bringing in, these old pieces of gear and it just had a, a wonderful vibe about it. And, and the tracks that you hear, that's live. We didn't, there are, I'm, I'm sorry. There are a couple of songs. I think that I overdubbed my electric, uh, my electric guitar, but we essentially would just set up and cut like the old days. That's how I like to do it. Um, cool. I'd rather have, it's so hard to recreate that in the studio. When you get that vibe, right. You know, it's so hard to recreate that track by track. It becomes like uh, some sort of a science. And I'm not saying there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not the way that I know how to put together a record in a timely fashion without going crazy. <laughs> so we like that up and play. And that was really the first time I was allowed to pull that off. And I say allowed as in I've, I've you know, I've had some record deals and there are some there are some constraints with that. Like they don't just let a guy turn loose with his band in the studio with the check, you know, Right. <laughs> they want to make sure that that stuff's done right. But uh, once we did that, uh, I knew that I eventually wanted to get back to that, which is where we are now. We're, we're heading back to that in that direction. And I think I only have one more unreleased album from way back when to put out. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll do that soon. So you have a new album coming out so soon um, with your band, the coyotes. Tell me, yeah. I want to know about the album, and I also want to know about your band. Okay. Well, let's start with about my band. Okay. Um, I put on Nashville Gig Finder a few years ago. I, I, I was looking for a new backup band. Um, my guys uh, seem to find their way to great gigs, and they one day fly away. So I was ready for a new group of guys to get to show them off and then they could fly away. No, uh, <laughs> I put out, uh, I put out uh, for a band and um, I still have two of those guys left. Um, and we went up and did a show in my hometown. We all hit it off. And then simultaneously I was getting calls from a, a recording school down here in Franklin called dark horse uh, that also has a very famous recording studio. And um, they were calling us and asking us if we'd be interested in doing free sessions. And so, course my band I, I pay my band but we we happily took the studio time and I took it as you know 
there's a chance we could get some good tracks and there's a chance it could be crap. And our first round wasn't so great, but uh, we went back a couple more times and we actually jumped in and sort of helped with the process. And um, I don't want to say we were the teachers, but we were, we were making sure our stuff was tuned in this time. You know what I mean? And so we left with some really great recordings. So most of what's going to be on this album was done at Dark Horse. And then um, we did a few overdubs later and we mixed it elsewhere. But um, in my band now, I've, uh, my drummer's name's Casey Todd. And he's from Cincinnati, Ohio. Casey with a K. He's, uh, he's in a couple of different groups. Um, right now, he's um, uh, doing a little tour with Joe Messina. So oh, really? and, cool. And he, uh, a couple of years ago on Instagram, I noticed that he did a run with Tonic. Remember that band? Oh, yeah. So, uh, great drummer, great singer. Um, he also has a family band called the Vandells. They do old-timey music. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my bass player, his name is Travis Collinsworth. He's originally from Miami. And uh, he's a co-owner of The Five Spot in Nashville, which is where uh, our live album um was uh recorded and then on guitar uh currently in florida en route back to nashville is uh what is kyle's last name dang it benton sorry kyle benton so kyle benton is on guitar and that's the coyotes we have a couple of friends that join us from time to time on keys micah hulsher and uh, you mentioned Dana B earlier on fiddle and sometimes Dan Cohen joins us on guitar. So it's um, sort of just depends on what the, uh, the gig calls for, but the core group is Travis Casey and Kyle. Well, it's a good name for a band. I like it. It is good. Well, let me tell you how we got the name. Tell us. So our good buddy, Chris plays guitar for Billy Ray Cyrus and he asked me if I wanted to go out and write with Billy one day. And I was like, hell yeah, uh, let's try it. This is before the Grammy. This was about six months before that. And um, so I knew that Billy was interested in, in Native American culture. And I spent quite a bit of time doing Sweat Lodge with the Trinity uh, River tribes up in Northern California. And I brought a few uh, gifts for Billy. And, I, and when I brought them to him, it blew his mind. He said that it was the answer that he needed because the next day he was wanting to fly out to um, um, Standing Rock to help folks get down to sign up for voting. Remember when that was going down? Yep. And uh, so apparently me bringing him the spearhead and the Ignesh route was the all the sign that he needed to go past his manager's recommendation and go on out to Standing Rock. So we hung out with Billy uh, all day that day. We had a great time. And he's got um, a hill out in front of his house he calls Music Mountain. And he told me to take a walk up there and check it out. So you get to the top there, and he's got a totem pole and a TP and a few other choice items. And I just, the spirit overwhelmed me, and I sang out this this Native song that I knew. And uh, it came to me up there that I needed to name my band The Coyotes. So... Wow, that's, that's a crazy like a movie story. moment. <laughs> I just it, was like visualizing that. It is a totally a true story. Um, so, I mean, we have no choice but to get famous now, right? Right. <laughs> no choice. <laughs> it's destiny. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so you mentioned you were a, um, a family man. Uh, how much support have you had from your family with um, being able to pursue this passion of yours? 
Believe it or not, I might be one of the rare occasions to have full support from my wife. I love that. From day one, uh, when I first met my wife, one of the first things she said to me was, I think you need to take that guitar everywhere you go. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, here I am today. So she's always my uh, first and last critique. And uh, even when I have to pull it out of her because she doesn't want to tell me when something's not good or she doesn't like it, and she has to find, I mean, bless her heart. She always finds a way to tell me if something's not right. That's so funny. You like to say it gently. Yeah. And my daughters um, uh, play music. My um, middle daughter's going to school to be a music teacher. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I appreciate that you telling us that because you never know with the situation, how the family is going to be able to react to the lifestyle of a musician, which with all the ups and downs, there's a lot of, a lot of things that can happen without the family support. It can be difficult. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, you know, with that in mind, I recommend any and all musicians to diversify. If you want to enjoy your career a little bit more, get a little more control over it and diversify the way that you get your finances taken care of Definitely. because music, your heart it will break your heart and it can steal your soul you know but we continue to do it <laughs> amen i know it <laughs> like oh oh one more thing one more thing and so now we're building the studio and um about to kick off damn it roy records so there i've said it Ooh. uh perhaps maybe things will be lined out with the legal part and all that and we'll have the coyotes put out on that label i don't know i mean anymore it's like if i go to shop a record uh like we have done in the past i'm not so sure we're not in the day and age where we can really just sort of do it on our own i mean aren't aren't we really just looking for a good gig that's all we're looking for man that's all we're I, I mean for. i'm not looking to split up the cash with anybody else if i can help it yeah. <laughs> yeah. so we'll see but uh, this Coyotes record has been, it's been a while in the waiting and COVID sort of changed our plan a little bit. And I, I dipped back into my old catalog, and put out 16 ton and, and made those um, live videos and recordings at the five spot to kind of suffice and, and, and fill in. But, you know, now that folks are getting their V cards and, and festivals are starting back up, hopefully this release will, will get us where we want to go. Yeah, and I think honestly, I'm not just saying that because she's listening, but you are on the right track with Natalie. She is amazing. She, I get a lot of emails, and and she is one of the most professional people that I have ever worked with through this podcast. So, oh, love Natalie. To <laughs> she's <awesome>. she is <laughs> yes, awesome. She's every bit of a lady savage. She will go and Amazing. get it done. That's right. That's so. right. Well, you can't yeah. see me, but I'm blushing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we so mean really, it. Uh, I've I've had uh, I've had a few people um, on and off over the years, you know, help me with music and manage and PR and stuff, and and so far, uh, Natalie has done more in just a couple years than uh, I was really achieved in a decade before. So I feel blessed to um, feel like I've still got the fire. You know, I mean, it's easy to get jaded. We know that that music should never, it'll never leave us. It's not a, if you're 18 or you're however, or 80, it doesn't matter. Music is timeless. And, but there are times, you know, where there's been some dry spots where I just feel like, is, is this what this is? Is this the part where, you know, I stop, but then I meet Natalie. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's amazing. She definitely is doing the work. So, um, but we are super excited for you and your career and the coyotes. And um, thank you so much for doing this podcast. I can't thank you all enough. You guys look cool as hell. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I'm sorry. I'm Thank you for doing the audio today. I've been working out in the yard. I was like, hey, can I just pop in real quick? I mean, I look like shit, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Dude, no worries. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Groove Lab. Stay groovy.